0: Good morning and welcome into the College Football Daily. It is Wednesday, March 30th. I'm your host, Colin Kennedy. I want to say we've had two really good episodes so far this week, and I don't think today's will be any different. Houston basketball just went on another impressive NCAA tournament run, making it back-to-back years, reaching the Elite Eight with a Final Four appearance thrown in there. But why does this relate to football? Well, why can't Houston football replicate this type of success on the gridiron? The Cougars head into a massive 2022 with high expectations while also having conference transition on the horizon. Helping me explain why Houston football has a bright future ahead is Mike Craven, a college football and basketball insider for Dave Campbell's Texas Football. All right, joining me now is Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's Texas football. Mike, I appreciate you joining me, man. This is gonna be a lot of fun. Let's dive in. Houston basketball, football. You could probably argue the athletics program across the board has raised the bar on campus. What impresses you most regarding Houston and what it's doing from an athletics perspective?
1: I think the most impressive thing to me is how they're energizing the city of Houston. You know, I was raised in Houston for a lot of my early years, and it was a it was a college town back then. There was always the Astros and the Oilers uh, and even the Rockets were, do- were doing good in the early 90s. But Houston kind of had its own lane. It had its own pulse. The Astrodome uh, was awesome. They had sirens after the scores, you know, they, they had a high powered offense. And so they were a fun team to go watch. They kind of captivated a lot of us in that city. And that went away when the Southwest Conference broke up was left holding the bag. I could argue they may have been kind of the biggest losers of that conference realignment back in the day, and they haven't been able to gain any footing since then. When you have a professional football team, a professional basketball team, or professional baseball team, it's hard to sell G5 football. And so, you got to have a winner, and Kelvin Sampson has come in and done that basketball-wise. Dana Holgerson has come there and done that football-wise, and that gives them two marquee names. If you're a fan of college basketball, you know who Coach Sampson is. If you're a fan of college football, you know who Coach Holgerson is. Uh, those kind of skins on the wall has really helped the program and, you, and you've started to see uh, the momentum of that because I think in college athletics, the coach is kind of the figurehead. It matters a little bit more than the university of Nick Saban all of a sudden went to Tennessee tomorrow. I think Tennessee would be the best team in, in the nation, right? So uh, where the college coaches go uh, the talent follows and those guys have been able to acquire talent and then acquiring talent has led to wins and leading to wins has led to a major market kind of getting behind those teams and supporting them in a way that maybe they weren't the previous 10 or 15 years. I think it's a
0: really interesting point you brought up because you are from the area. You, you've grown up somewhat around this program and it's obviously in a unique market to where it's hard to sort of expose yourself as one of the premier places to go watch a sporting event. You talk about committing finances to some of these coaching names, right? Right. And, and getting people to come to these games because of the names that are leading these various programs. It's also just kind of impressed me. I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts, what they've done from just a financial commitment perspective in terms of facilities, branding. Obviously, the basketball program now has Jordan on its jerseys. I mean, it's is it still kind of shocking to you what they've been able to do off the field in terms of facilities management and overall program commitment?
1: Yeah, they really have. I think five, 10 years ago, the guys and ladies behind the scenes decided, hey, if we're going to get back into major college athletics. We have to put our money where our mouth is. And, and having a Tillman Fertita really helps, right? When you have kind of a sugar daddy that can pay for all of that stuff and money is no option to him in terms of college athletics, that helps. Like we saw Boone Pickens at Oklahoma State, how much that elevated that program. So it, this, is a, this is an arms race, right? I mean, it's no different than like government arms races uh, at, at the college level. And when you have a, a city that has that much business, that much money in it, right? And that much growth that Houston does, combined with a couple billionaires Uh, that will give you as much money as you need. As long as you show them it's going uh, to something useful that's going to help the university that they love, you can bind those things and Houston is a great spot. Uh, but you look around college athletics, I've always found it interesting that the best programs aren't in the biggest cities. You know, you take away USC in Los Angeles. If you go down the list of like the top 10 football programs in the country, none of them are in big cities. Maybe UT and Austin when, when they're doing well. Houston does have that disadvantage, in my opinion, of trying to capture a, a city that has so much going on. Winning's the way to do that, and, and spending the money is the way to way to win.
0: Houston basketball obviously grabbing a ton of headlines currently for what they've been able to do in the NCAA tournament, but Houston Football is seemingly on the verge of a real breakthrough going into 2022. I know personally I'm someone who's buying into all the hype Explain to people at home why this upcoming season is so exciting for the Cougars.
1: Well, this is a team that went on an 11-game win streak last year. You know, they lost to Tech in, in a really weird week one game, and then they didn't lose again until they faced Cincinnati. And, and I know that Cincinnati score, if you just look at it, can look a little lopsided, but that game was close at halftime. So, in my opinion, Houston is the best G5 team in the nation, you know, for 2022, at least on paper. Uh, they return their starting quarterback, Clayton Toon, who's excellent, who did a really good job of taking care of the football in 2021. Uh, Alton Mc school the running back from Conroe Oak Ridge was one of the best true freshmen in the nation just a future star at running back and then Tank Dell, Maybe the best wide receiver in the state. It's either Nathaniel Dell or Xavier Worthy in terms of just best talented wide receiver in the state. And then what Doug Belk has done defensively. We talk about Dana Holgerson and the offense so much, but what Coach Belk has done defensively is incredible. They had 45 sacks last year. You know they only allow like 3.2 yards a rush. I think only 13 rushing touchdowns were scored on them in 14 games. Something ridiculous like that. So you get a Holgerson offense going, who's always going to put up numbers. I just I believe in Dana Holgerson enough to where they're always going to put up numbers over there. Now they got a defense that can play and you add in an AAC that's not going to have the Cincinnati, you know, juggernaut that they were last year that Cincinnati's losing some teams. So I think all of those things combined make Houston kind of that that favorite dark horse to, to kind of be the G5 team to break into the college football playoffs if they're able to go undefeated. Also really love that incoming
0: recruiting class the Cougars have with guys like Matthew Golden, Demetrius Hunter. I'm a huge McCaskill fan. Doug Belk was thrown around for a number of power five jobs in terms of DC opportunities. I, it's a really intriguing group going into 2022. But I, I want to, circle back to the name that you continue to highlight here, Dana Holgerson. He's been building this program up over the past few years. And I don't know that we give him a ton of credit for what he's done. Like I think Neil Brown at West Virginia is a heck of a football coach, right? But the guy 17 and 18 overall for the Mountaineers. Meanwhile, Holgerson, who did very well there at West Virginia after a couple of rebuild years here at Houston, he just had an incredibly impressive season. Now trying to get this 2022 squad to represent the G5 in the college football playoff. What are your thoughts on the way Holgerson and his staff has carried itself leading the University of Houston and what they've been able to accomplish so far?
1: I think they've done a great job. And something that a lot of people don't know about Holgerson is he's a, he loves the city of Houston and he wanted to be there. And you can tell that he really loves that university. Way back in the day, Dana Holgerson is on Mike Leach's staff in like 2002, right? And Mike Leach has Sonny Dykes and Dana Holgerson. And he goes, look, why aren't y'all recruiting more? And they go, well, coach. I don't know where to recruit. So Mike Leach points to a map and goes, Sonny Dykes, you got Dallas. Dana Holgerson, you got Houston, right? And then for the next 20 years, Dana Holgerson just spent recruiting Houston. Even when he was at West Virginia, he'd go back to Houston once a month to do some recruiting. He always kept those contacts there. And so this is a job that he's really wanted. And I think you can tell the difference when coaches are at a job because it's going to get them to the job that they really want, or they're at a job where they really, really want. I think West Virginia, he took because it was a chance to be the head coach in the Big 12. Houston, he took because it was a chance to be somewhere to really make a legacy. And he took it knowing that the Big 12 was on the horizon. That's why he had that $1 million bonus locked in there in case they ever got moved to the Big 12. So he's seen this vision. I think Fertita and him talked about this when he got hired. This was the vision. And he's been recruiting and coaching and not shying away from the fact that, hey, guys, we're about to go to the Big 12, and we have to make this roster capable of winning in that big 12 and he's talked to his program about that for the last couple of years and i think that honesty has really helped that program take the next step
0: i mentioned the potential for the cougars to potentially sneak into the playoff we just saw cincinnati represent the american athletic conference a season ago now the path might be there for houston mike as since he rebuilds smu adjusts to a new coaching staff ucf continues to grow under gus malzahn so on and so forth Houston seems to be in a favorable spot going into 2022, right?
1: I agree. I mean, and if they do go undefeated, they're going to have a win over Texas Tech P5 program, a win over Kansas, and we can kind of chuckle at that, but that's another P5 program. They're going to have to go to UTSA and beat another G5 team that won a conference championship last year and will likely win another one this year. So they're going to have three out of conference games that are, are going to look pretty good on a resume. The AAC is a growing conference who's doing pretty well. They'd have to beat Cincinnati most likely in the conference championship game. So if they're sitting 12-0, and 0, they're going to have four or five quality victories. And if you look around the national landscape, do you trust a Big 12 team to really make a push into the college football playoff? I don't know if I do. Do you trust a Pac 12 team to make a push into the college football playoff? I don't know if I do. And so if you got four spots, two of them likely to an SEC team one of them to either Ohio State or Michigan, whoever wins the Big Ten. If the ACC doesn't bounce back, if Clemson or Miami doesn't take the world by storm over there, there is a spot out there for a G5 program. If Houston's undefeated, they're the clear-cut number one option to kind of slide into that spot. It'd be something to see them climb into the
0: playoff, but can Houston maintain this type of success well into the future? We'll discuss that and more when we
1: come back.
0: All right, back here with Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's Texas Football, talking the Houston Cougars. It's no secret, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, the transition to the Big 12 is on the horizon for a Houston program that wants the advantages of a Power 5 spot. Mike, what do you think this move could do for the Cougars as they eventually land in the new Big 12?
1: I find it fascinating. The landscape of the new Big 12 without OU and Texas is just an interesting prospect. And if you look at Houston, I think they're in the position to, to really be one of the power brokers of that conference. If you look around, they're going to be in the biggest market. There's not a team in the Big 12 after Texas and OU leave that are going to be in a place to recruit as easily and as well as Houston. And so Ohio's got a lot of talent. So Cincinnati's always going to be good. Joey McGuire at Texas Tech always going to be able to recruit because of his connections. Baylor's making a, a, a resurgence with, with Dave Aranda. So it's going to be a fight at the top. But I don't know if I place my bets anybody higher than Houston. They have a really good head coach. Like we've talked about, they have excellent facilities and and money behind them uh, in terms of donors. Uh, They got a big city to draw fans with. And then, you know, next to Dallas, you know, Houston's about as good of a recruiting hotbed as you can find. So they can go out outside and just pick players. And those guys have been going elsewhere. They've been going to LSU. They've been going to Texas. They've been going to Texas Tech. They've been going to Oklahoma. Well, if Houston's in the Big 12, maybe they don't have to anymore. Right. And so if you can keep more and more of those guys in-house, that's awesome. And then I think they're going to do what Sonny Dykes did at SMU, where they become the secondary home of that talent. Yeah, maybe you went to Texas. Maybe you went to Alabama. Maybe you went to LSU straight out of high school. Well, it didn't work out. Jamal Morris, come on back, right? And they're going to become that program for Houston talent. That that bounce back, being that backboard, I think, is
0: as well. I want to expand on that a little bit because – there is that power vacuum that's going to be created, like you mentioned. And I think Houston's going to be a dangerous program because of that Houston base in terms of talent, whether it's the transfer portal or recruiting in general. Mike, you know this, as much as people talk about Texas high school football, right? I think we both know how overlooked the greater Houston area can be at times in regards to both recruits and overall talent in general. When you think about not only having that as a recruiting base, but a relationship base and the transfer portal, what type of advantage does Houston get to claim with this? And when you talk about them transitioning into the Big 12, explain to people what type of talent is in Houston that could potentially come into that program and help?
1: You know, per capita, Miami and Houston create the most NFL players, right? So Maybe they don't have the all all the depth that DFW does in terms of just having a hundred schools that seemingly produce two or three guys each or whatever. But that top end talent is there, and if they can do kind of what Herman did with like an Ed Oliver, if they can keep a couple of those main bell cows there, if they can get a couple of those four or five star guys there. Then that will that will become momentum. And that stuff becomes contagious. We saw it with Texas A&M's class this year, right? You get two or three big name guys, and then four or five other ones want to join, and then four or five other ones want to join, and all of a sudden you got the best national class of all time. That's probably not going to happen at Houston, but if they can get a couple of guys each cycle that may have gone to A&M or Texas or Oklahoma or LSU in the past, that's a win. And all of a sudden you go from having the 40th best recruiting class to the 30th best recruiting class to the 20th best recruiting class. So I I think the sky's the limit for Holgerson. It's just selling that program, and as somebody grew up in Houston, the thing that they're going to have to, I guess, change is the perception. A lot of times when you're 16 or 17 year old, years old, you want to get away, right? Wherever you grew up, even if you grew up in like Vegas or Miami or Los Angeles, your hometown's lame, right? By the time you're 18... You want to get out, you want to go do something new. I think that's the difficult part, right? It's convincing those guys to stay near home. Sometimes that's easier in the transfer market. But, I, you know, it's always been interesting to me. And my theory is because all the recruiting guys live in DFW, right? Like, it just seems like if you look around the industry, and I used to be a part of that group as well, uh, you, either, you live in DFW, right? And so, like, those guys get the most shine because it's easier to go cover a seven-on-seven or a high school that's right down the road. Houston kind of gets overlooked because not as many of us live down there and cover it, in my opinion.
0: Hundred percent, and so wrapping it up here on the show. And again, I really appreciate you coming on. What are some keys for you overall that you think will define Houston's long-term success as a program, whether that's on or off the field?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think on the field, it's recruiting Houston and drawing a line around that city and going, we're going to be Houston's team, kind of how Jeff Trailers done in San Antonio, right, where he inherited a team that had like eleven San Antonio guys, and now it's like forty. You know, eventually Houston's roster needs to look like that, where it's just like. That guy's from Conroe. That guy's from the Woodlands. That guy's from Fort Bend. That guy's from Shadow Creek. Like that, it needs to eventually look like that on the field. And then off the field, it's just chipping away into the city's pro market, right? Getting some more and more people to come out to the stadium. Because I was at the Houston SMU game last year. And that was basically for a spot in the conference championship and it wasn't sold out. They're going to have to get more and more of that. The basketball team being good, the football team being good, I think helps that. So it's just, in my opinion, it's it's talent accumulation on the field. And then it's, you know, human capital off the field and just getting more and more of the business owners and just the average person in the city to kind of catch on and come out to games on Saturday night, despite all the other options you got to do in Houston. That's Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's Texas Football, man. I really
0: appreciate you joining us on the College Football Daily. This was a lot of fun, man. Thanks a ton. Absolutely. Anytime. Be sure to check out Mike Craven on Twitter at CravenMike and check out coverage from Dave Campbell's Texas Football at DCTF on Twitter or at texasfootball.com online. While you're here, feel free to subscribe to this podcast feed and leave a five-star review. For producer Lance Glenn and my guest Mike Craven, I'm Colin Kennedy saying we'll see you next time here on the College Football Day.
1: New CBS Sunday.